Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Sports Radio 92.7 FNZ. Welcome back to the Nick Wilson Show. Hour two headed your way, the 11 o'clock hour. We were just talking about uh, there are two, and I would like to point out, it is designated a men's room and a woman's room, or, uh, you know, ladies' room. But these are these are individuals, like I almost said individual stalls. They're, in, they're one person per use rooms. So it's not like walking in where it's like four stalls and a couch. The ladies always have a couch in the in the ladies' room. I don't. How do we get that? Like, there's a couch. Uh, the one down the hall when the doors open, you get to see the. There's like a bureau in it where there's a mirror. I mean, there's basically there's a there's a bathroom before the bathroom that ladies have in almost every scenario. Guys, it's you're lucky if there's anything more than a toilet in your bathroom. However. Now that I've made that complaint, which needed to come to air here, I asked you guys for what is your what is your biggest pet peeve when it comes to a bathroom? And so a 704 number said that it's when people talk on their phones in the bathroom. And I got to be honest with you, I'm right there with you. Uh, and and it's, it's, it, it can be a little different if it's in your own house, right? Like my, my wife will occasionally go in there, somebody will call. If it's a family member, she'll pick up, like her mom. Right, they'll talk to each other on the job. That's a little different. But when Hacksaw and I were going back and forth from the cabin, two times, one on the way up, one on the way down, I'm going to the bathroom in the middle of nowhere. One time it was in West Virginia, the other time it was in God's country in Virginia. I hope you're listening, Bailey, because it's your people that did this. But uh, I heard people not just talking on the cell phone, loudly having a conversation while dookieing. That's asinine. That's a crime against humanity and should not be done. If it's in a, there's a lot of ways, right? I, I can bring nuance to using the bathroom and talking on the phone while you're going to the potty. I can use nuance in this. Itty Bitty Fitty has picked up the phone when we're at work while on uh, the bleeper. I can, okay, well, we had to get something done real quick. Or there was breaking news. Like, if it was something urgent with work, I can understand that. If you're at home and you're comfortable and nobody else is around, I can understand that. But in a public restroom at a gas station in Virginia on I-77, if you can't hold a call or if you can't wait and say, hey, I'm going to the bathroom, burn in hell. You, sir or ma'am, are the most inconsiderate human being on the face of the planet. Itty bitty fitty, as a public pooper, as somebody who likes to talk on the phone, who's not afraid to talk on the phone while using the facilities. Yeah. Speak on behalf of your people. Look, it's just something that in the line of work that we're in, look, the what job, does that have to do? The job like, never what, stops. What line of work is you know, like if you're a doctor, okay, take that call if you're if you're dropping a deuce because somebody could die. Literally if you don't pick up that call. You work in radio. What's the worst thing? I'm going to find out Steve Clifford's the new head coach two minutes later. There's always breaking news. There's always something going on. And I think you should look at it more uh, as that I am that dedicated to the to the job, no. to the craft. No, because I've already absolved you. I still think it's asinine that I'll call you and I, and I can t 
tell immediately. There's a little tinty sound. You sound a little embarrassed, too. You sound like you're hiding something when I call you and you pick up the phone when you're going to the bathroom. So there are two tells that there are when you go to the bathroom and pick up the phone. But to me, I can at least excuse that. I can at least excuse the work phone douche or the home phone douche. It's the public one. It's the truckers that are just like, hey, babe, yeah, I'm just going to get in the bathroom right now, and I'm, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm then going to go to Arby's, and I'm going to go uh, get back in my truck, I'm going to drive for 200 miles, and then do this all again. Those guys, burn in hell. Truckers, I love you. I support you. Nobody more blue-collar than truckers, but by goma to you, sirs. What if they've got the AirPods in, though? Then they're just having a casual conversation. Like, does that make it more classy? The AirPods make it classy, or how? Because, how does okay, the first off, you got to pay 350 bucks for those AirPods. So, like, you, you, you've dropped a pretty penny. I have $50 AirPods that I use. Thank you very much. And, by the way, how am I going to tell if they're using uh, EarPods, AirPods, or whatever when there's a wall or a door separating us? I just feel like in America, look, we spent how long away from each other? We need to be more inclusive. We'll know, we'll know more about our fellow Americans if we're in the bathrooms talking on the phone at the same time. Uh, Richie saying, I'd prefer you not invade my sense of smell instead of my ears. Talking on the phone is preferred over being crop dusted. What we're talking about is when it happens together. All right. When the two things run together, phone calls in and of themselves, not the problem. Duking in public, not great, Bob, but not the problem. It is when we marry those two things. Listen, I even get weirded out if, uh, if, if you just are on your phone while going to the bathroom, all right, listen, let's be honest here. None of us are perfect here. None of us, none of us are sinless in this equation. But if you are watching something on your phone and you click into it and I hear it, not a big problem. If you keep listening to it, you are yet again the ta most tasteless bastard in America. All right? It's cool that you want to watch videos. Okay, I don't want to have to hear your crappy Instagram videos one stall over in between your grunts. Thank you. Please and thank you. Why are you shaming on people's bathroom? Oh, no, this isn't shaming. Yes, it is. No, 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 this isn't shaming. This is I'm educating people who might not know otherwise that they're being disgusting. I mean, I am I am changing America. If you're going to do fitty fictions, I'll do Nick narratives all day long <laughs> in combat of this. I am changing America one douche shamer at a time. You don't think Adam Schefter or, or Woj have sent breaking news that changed our world while taking a dump? No, no, no. I didn't say you shouldn't text. That's different. If he did a if he did a call on first take while while rocking a heater, we'd have a problem. Hey, uh, yeah, d d d Ryan Fitzpatrick news is out, and uh, yeah, uh, it's it's not good. I'm gonna tell you right now. I do my best individual work on the toilet. That's when I send the best so, tweets. So what you're saying is we should move a dumper in here <laughs> and you should sit bare-assed on it all four hours so I can get the best out of you? Yes. So let's let's prove this out. Jeff, if you're listening, <laughs> Jeff, I'm going to need a toilet installed behind the board up because Itty Bitty Fitty claims the best work he does is when he's dropping a heater. That's when I send my best tweets. That's when I have my best thoughts about our show, my podcast, my blog. That's where I do um, research for the night. Like a lot. What is a, research for the night? You, you figure out what I'm interpreting there. Okay. A lot, a lot of positive happens 
on on the john. Like it used to be you read the newspaper. Now I read Twitter, I watch TikTok, and <laughs> I find a video or two I, for, you're, for you're later. You're conflating everything. You're going to confuse the audience here. Using your phone on the bleeper is not in totality the problem. It is literally having a phone conversation or FaceTiming somebody while dookieing in public, no less, or it's it's watching those videos without your earbuds or, or headphones on. Yeah. That's I, the nuance of this situation, which you fail to grasp. I just feel like the more that it surrounds you enhances the experience. Like it, it just it just adds to it. What so it's it's like being in the fourth quarter with two minutes to go if you're Kobe. Like it's the pressure gets to you and all of a sudden it brings out the best version of you. Like explain to me how. Yeah, I will ask you guys, what are your biggest pet peeves? But what are your biggest bathroom pet peeves? Because I am not I'm ripping the band-aid off. You, sir, I say this with love and, and respect. Here's the insult. Because you, you work very hard, and I think you got a bright You are the future of sports radio, 92.7 FNC. I've told you that multiple times. One day, somebody might decide they want to marry you. <laughs> uh, how many compliments is that? Enough. You? Insult me. You, sir, are disgusting. <laughs> I'm going to tell it right now in front of God and everyone. You violate almost every one of my bathroom pet peeves. And it almost doesn't, like all the good things about you almost doesn't make up how disgusting that you are and talking on the phone while going to the bathroom. It, if you had, if I if I'd found out you were the guy in West Virginia at a sheets, taking a sheets right there in front of, and watch <laughs> and talking with his, uh, his hot mama. And I'll be honest with you. I'm pretty sure I heard a little bit of uh, bedroom talk in that bathroom See? talk. Th that's why. Cause like. That that's how you know you're comfortable in your own skin. Seven oh four number saying people grunting loudly. Yeah. So I won't share the name. When I first got into radio, I was like twenty one years old, freshly out of college. There was a Cleveland radio legend. And for some reason, my biological clock in the morning and his biological clock timed up. And every time I went to go to use the facilities. This dude was just, he was fighting one. I mean, it sounded like he was wrestling a grizzly bear. And I was so worried about him. It finally, we had no, I was an intern. He's the, he's the, he, he's the, the, the cream of the crop, so to speak. And no, that's not a statement on his, uh, his fighting grizzly bears. But he's, he's the pin pinnacle of Cleveland radio. And I was like, insert name here. Are you okay? And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, are, are you okay? Because for three months, I've heard every morning, same time, <laughs> it's his first break of his show, the fourth break of our show. I come in here, and it's just... Mine's <laughs> just, just a subtle... Argh. What, are you listening to Metallica during it? <laughs> are you are you are you mimicking James Hetfield? Or, Ooh, or like yeah, a... Yeah. Okay, that's a different sound. That is a very different sound. <laughs> All right, that's that's you prepping for the night. That has nothing to do. I do my best work with, with your bodily <laughs> functions. Scott saying the best is when you work in a building where one of the floors is completely vacant. The third floor at my old office was that way, and you could release the hounds in privacy. Oh my God! Nine one zero number saying sometimes people be fighting for their life. In there. <laughs> <laughs> it really, it really puts the scene in Austin Powers with Tom Arnold. 
into perspective what uh, what people are going. Also, Carolina Dave saying, I hate public bathroom doors. You wash your hands and then grab a dirty door handle. So oh, no, dumb. see, that, that's why I use the paper towel to open and close the door. No, that's uh, so wait. You have all these disgusting habits, and then you have a little bit of couth on the end of walking out the door? There's nothing disgusting about talking on the phone while taking a dump. But but that, that door, and so when I open the door to enter the bathroom, unless I absolutely have to, I use my shoulder because that's covered by to the shirt. Answer the phone here, 704-570-9610. I, I, you are all over the place with your disgusting habits here. Uh, people people just throwing out names of who it could have been. I promise you, it is not a name you've ever heard in Cleveland radio that was uh, fighting the grizzly bear every morning at the same time there. <laughs> uh, Scott, the XFL honk, in, in terms of me shaming Itty Bitty Fitty for doing his nighttime research there. Uh, Scott, the XFL honk, saying no kink shaming. All right, that's fair. David, welcome to the show, my guy. What is your bathroom pet peeve? Yes, my bet. Um, bathroom pet peeve is when you like say you just go in the bathroom right you gotta take a number two right and every stall no, nobody's not nobody every stall is empty right so you go you go pick one and all of a sudden somebody else come in they they need to take a number two and they they get right next to you out of all the stalls you want to get right next to me man go to the next stall why you gonna be right next to me I hate I, that's something I hate man I'm sorry but Appreciate it, David, that was a phenomenal submission, and I say it's phenomenal because it happens both in urinals and in in bathroom stalls. And like Big Daddy's got a wide, I'm I've got a wide frame, guys. All right, you look at these shoulders; these shoulders don't run. Okay, the, so I have a I have a Jeff Bagwell type stance, and so the, when the first thing that happens is there are three open urinals to the left of me, and you take the one just to the left of me, and and we bump shoes. We're going to have problems, Hoss. All right? Do I look like the kind of man you want to go to the bathroom next to? No. So then scooch on down. All right? No checking. No checking here. Move over a stall or two. We're asking for your bathroom uh, pet peeves there. 704-570-9610. ACC winners and losers. Sports Radio 92.7 FNC. I do think that in terms of uh, really championing your conference, coming down the stretch at the last possible moment for the college football playoff selection committee, then whatever you do against a quality opponent is going to be more impressive than hanging 62 against Virginia. It's going to be more impressive than whatever you were going to do against Georgia Tech. So I, I think that for the ACC as a whole, this is a better way to position the best teams in your conference to have a shot at the college football playoff. Sports Radio 92.7 FNC. Welcome back to the Nick Wilson Show. Uh, some NBA news coming your way in about 20 minutes here. Aditi Kinkabwala, uh, longtime NFL Network reporter, coming up in about 40 minutes. We'll talk about the uh, quarterback conundrums around the AFC North, the Deshaun Watson hearing, Baker Mayfield's future, all that. However, you just heard from Chip Patterson yesterday on the clubhouse. You want to listen to that full interview, WFNC.com. But he was uh, reacting and responding to the ACC in 2023. And I hate that we have to wait a year for this. I hate that, you know, the conference realignment really takes a jump in 2023 with the American and the Big 12. I hate that we got to wait for the new ACC football scheduling model to take place until next year. Because I just want it now. I hate that I have to wait for NCAA football, the video game, to come back until next year. But yesterday it was announced that uh, in 2023 the ACC will adopt a 3-5-5 football scheduling model and all 14 schools will compete in one division. 
So teams will play three primary opponents annually and face the other 10 teams twice during the four-year cycle, once at home and once on the road. And to me, what Chip said there, which is about for the conference in general, the, the conference health in general, that's the biggest winner. Whoever wins the conference every year, who are, sorry, the two teams that earn the right to play for the ACC title, those are the biggest winners from now until infinity. Because if Clemson, especially if we have a Clemson-esque team, a team that is a head and shoulders above pretty much every team in their conference, but you've got one team that is acceptable, now we don't have to worry anymore what, what division they're in. I kind of jokingly said yesterday uh, the difference between beating Virginia by, you know, 45 points and beating Florida State by 21 points or whatever it might be. Name whatever players you want or teams you want. But I do think if you've got the ultimate thing that you worried about coming down the stretch is if one side of the division or one division was a little bit more loaded than the other, we don't have to worry about that anymore. And in a, in a conference that Jim Phillips has talked about, he wants to make this conference even better. He wants to make this conference, uh, to, from a football perspective, more football relevant. Well, one, I think you're going to have to import at least one other big program. But I think the start to that is the two best teams in the ACC, the two highest ranked, in this case, uh, who, who competes in it is is going to be based off of their winning percentage. But, like, it finally feels like this is the first step to that eventual hope by Jim Phillips. I still think Notre Dame, long-term for ACC football to come close to keeping pace with the SEC and the Big Ten. And that, by the way, that that opportunity, that moment might have already passed. The long-term TV contract with the ACC, it isn't as good for ACC football as the long-term SEC football contract or the, the Big Ten contract is. That's problematic. That gap is only going to get wider here. And being locked into that thing long-term is problematic. So you've got the football schedule now. Now, now at least at least rein in Notre Dame. And I and I think even beyond that, adding Notre Dame, I don't think is enough from a football from a talent perspective in the conference. It would have been before Texas and Oklahoma joined the SEC. Now I'll be honest with you, I don't think the Big Ten has the horses from a football perspective to keep up with the SEC. I, I think I, I think you're about to see at some point the Big Ten and the ACC fight a war for whatever. And, oh, by the way, with the SEC lurking there as well, fight a war for the scraps of either the Big 12, the Pac-12, or like independents like BYU and Notre Dame. But it, this felt, what, what they did yesterday, just felt like a no-brainer. So the biggest winner and loser, so we talked about the biggest winner being whoever wins the conference or if there's a Clemson-esque team. The biggest winner really is the ACC's chances to keep teams in the, the college football playoffs. You don't want your own scheduling model to be prohibitive to your best team having the best chance to get into the playoffs. Itty bitty fitty. 
for you, who are the also the biggest winners and losers for ACC fans if you're a fan of the conference as well as your own team? Yeah, no, I, I thought this was the the right decision for the league. Um, the the divisions at the time made sense because you had to have to you know you had to have divisions with 14 teams to have a a, a conference championship game. What's really going to help is if Miami and Florida State and Virginia Tech get back to who they are, who they should be as college football programs, mm -hmm. which is they should be relevant, top 15 to 20 teams nationally. Clemson is still Clemson. Dabo uses the portal for the good and keeps his program among the nation's best. Isn't that going to suck if after the decade we've had of Clemson, Miami and Florida State get back to consistently who they were, what you just said, and then Clemson kind of just take whoever they were last year or some approximation, it just kind of becomes a mid or like good, not great program. That would kind of suck. That would be the ACC's luck. <laughs> it would be. It would be from a football person. All right, so let's go there. North Carolina, Florida State, Clemson, and let's say Notre Dame. From a football, or those four programs, is that enough and I'm not talking about the financial side of stuff because that's I just don't nobody knows enough about the outside of a few people like actual reporters or people in the ACC. Nobody knows enough about the financial side of this to really speak definitively about it. But from a football perspective, are those four football programs enough to turn this more all operating as top 20 programs, top 25 programs, plus whatever the hell happens beyond them? Is that enough to help the football prestige of the ACC. If the ACC could one day, and now I do not want this to happen, but if the ACC could one day lure Notre Dame to commit as a football member, you don't need anything else. You've got the biggest brand in college football in your backyard. And if you get Clemson to stay Clemson, and with NIL and with, with more money coming into Miami, coming into Florida State, and Virginia Tech gets back to what they could be, not should be, but could be under Brent Pry. You're you're on par with the Big Ten. You're never going to match the SEC. Mm -hmm. There, that's the NFL of college football. Yeah, I see. That's what scares me. Is I think if you start to, I think what, I think a lot of people share that thought process. Not just in the ACC. I think the other conferences think that as well. I think for long-term survival of whatever leadership structure you want, whatever, because um, college football really is just about the history of it, right? If you want your history to survive into the future, especially if you're already playing from behind the eight ball compared to the SEC and the Big Ten, your ass better be thinking big. That's why I've pitched the ACC Pac-12 Super Conference, and quite frankly, I think they should lose a few schools. From a football perspective, I don't need to see Syracuse. Basketball perspective, stay a full member. Yeah, I, I like, but like, I don't need to watch Syracuse football. Um, what? There's one other program that. Oh, Rutgers, not Rutgers, Maryland in the Big Ten. I don't need to see Maryland play Big Ten football. Whether that means they rejoin the ACC for that, I don't really care. It's not a great football school, but at the very least. I think you need something seismic like that in ACC Pac-12 Super Conference because you know what I think the inevitability is, and and Greg Sankey teased this at the SEC uh, meetings a couple weeks back, the idea of, of conference playoffs. Yeah. 
That's going to be a thing. And by the way, from and not talking about what's best for the student athletes, because we realize that's not really what matters most in this scenario. The best thing for the ACC would be to be the first team to adopt a two-round playoff series where if you have, in the event of a Pac-12 ACC, if you've got 20 teams, 24 teams in your conference, that the four best teams meet up in a, a first round of the playoffs, and then from that, you get your conference title game. Yes. Because not in that scenario, it is going to crown a definitive champion. If, if Clemson has to beat Florida State and then has to go beat the, the winner of Miami and Notre Dame almost every year in, in the ACC playoff bracket, you can't argue that. You can't argue that as long as those teams are good, you can't argue the program supremacy of the wins that they would have there. I, I ultimately believe, and it, it kills me to, to believe this, that there will become a day that the ACC will dissolve. Mm-hmm. And half will go to the Big Ten, half will go into the SEC. And what they'll do and with, with that playoff conference playoff theory that you're talking about, that will happen. Those two conferences will have four pods. And they will send their four pods to a conference tournament. Well, they'll play, you know, a, a semifinal, then a final. And then that winner is the definite representative of an expanded playoff format, which at that point would be at least eight, 12, maybe 16 teams. So the ACC football scheduling wasn't the only big news in the ACC. Uh, there was uh, the report that the state of Carolina is is coming up with a uh, $15 million uh plan stipend uh, loan uh, with uh budget basically that to 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 build and to maintain a headquarters in charlotte for the acc and there's a lot to go with this namely they would have to host additional uh like playoff events or tournaments in the state of north carolina on top of what they already do including two in greensboro to kind of keep the ties there and I've seen people react to it. I kind of view this as the same way as I do when people are like, I don't want my money going to a stadium. I don't really care. I want a nice stadium. And in one way or another, it's going to get paid. If that's me, I'm really not going to fight that much about it. I want the ACC in Charlotte. I would rather the ACC in Charlotte. like, Because people will say, well, tradition. Tradition's important. It means a lot. The long-term survival of the ACC is what I'm interested in, what I think Jim Phillips is interested in, and they're talking about Charlotte or Orlando. I damn sure don't want the ACC headquarters in Orlando, so Charlotte it is for me. Could could we sell the ACC on this nice, half-built construction piece in Rock Hill, South Carolina? (laughs) So, should uh, the governor of South Carolina swoop in and be like, boys, have I got a deal for you? <laughs> just uh, just don't talk to Rock Hill, uh, you know, local <laughs> officials, because they might still be salty about that. Uh, yeah, I think we might be giving South Carolina politicians a little bit too much credit for that idea. But that would be pretty, that'd be a hilarious troll. If they just kind of half-ass built the rest of it, it'd look <laughs> like a treehouse. And that was like... You guys seen the new ACC headquarters? <laughs> I mean, it only cost $15 million to, to finish there. They uh, they think they could play me for a fool. Dave Tepper, right across the road, on his own, builds <laughs> builds something better and bigger. Uh, that's what you get when you miss with Big Tep there. <laughs> huh? 
How you like them apples, McMaster? Huh? <laughs> what, what was the Rock Hills? Uh, uh, it was like Chubba or Bubba or or it was some it was some goofy nickname. Some Rock Hill politician name. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Well, oh, no, wait, no. I was going southern there. Hey, uh, Hamster Smith. Do you like that there? <laughs> Huh? Hamster. <laughs> it was hamster. Hey, Porterhouse. Hey, House, Do you like that? Huh? That's what happens when you mess with the tap. <laughs> when you mess with the bull, you get the horns. Uh, 704-570-9610. Your reaction to the ACC football scheduling model. Winners and losers also. Are you outraged that they might spend public money on moving the ACC to Charlotte? We come back, NBA Roundup, with the latest news in the association and how it impacts Charlotte on Sports Radio 92.7 FNC. Sports Radio 92.7 FNC, welcome back to the Nick Wilson Show. 20 minutes from now, Aditi Kinkabwala with the latest on AFC North quarterbacks, how that impacts Carolina. In the meantime, business is starting to pick up in the NBA offseason, and... I think anybody fitting and I were talking about this earlier today. I think the NFL offseason wins by default for a lot of people. If we asked you, like, what's the best offseason in sports? If we go from free agency to draft to trades to coaching hires, whatever, I think the NFL more often than not wins. I don't think it always is better. As a matter of fact, this is the first time, this last uh, NFL season, where Russell Wilson got traded, and then Aaron Rodgers didn't get traded, and then Carson Wentz did get traded. All the things that happened this offseason. To me, it was the first time the NFL had truly, like a year before we thought we were getting an NBA offseason. You know, really substantial quarterback movement in the NFL. We didn't get it. A year later, we did. A year later, Russell Wilson got traded. A year later, Aaron Rodgers stayed. That was significant because we thought the opposite would happen. Carson Wentz is another big-name quarterback. I'm missing like 17 moves that happened. Tyreek Hill, Tom Brady, unretired. Yes. So I prefer uh, – okay, when I say prefer, I think the NBA offseason usually is way more insane than the NFL. This just happens to be the first year where you can say, I don't think there's anything this year in the NBA in the offseason that can happen now that Kyrie's staying in, in Brooklyn, now that KD probably going to stay there for one more year as well, or sorry, one more year with Kyrie, I don't think there's anything that can happen this year that can top what we just saw from the NFL. No, I think you're right. Question for you. Sure. Because you, you've been around a lot longer than I have to see these off-seasons unfold. Has it always been that way where like the NBA off-season in, in totality was better? Because like my first NBA off-season memory was the decision. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember that day, like, nothing else mattered outside of being in front of the television, I think at 9 o'clock that night, mm -hmm. to see what a guy that I love to see fail decided to do with his basketball career. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I think it's weird that, like, the NBA offseason is always talked about as being better than its regular season and its postseason. And usually it is. Where, like, the NFL, like, they dominate the regular season, they have the best playoffs, even their draft is better. Um, the draft is better, and it's mostly because just knowledge. I, I think the draft coverage is so much better, and why, I think the NFL is the first sport to make their draft a cottage industry, and it's just blown up. 
I think I think in NBA circles, I think people love the NBA draft coverage, but to the layman, the layman does not pay attention. Like the average sports fan, to me, does not pay attention to the NBA draft the way they do the no. NFL draft. And that, now I pay as much attention because I really love both drafts. I'm sure you pay as much attention, but the average person listening, I don't think does. But I so I say all of that to say. Compared to the NFL, finally, the NBA is going to look like they have a timid offseason, but things are starting to pick up a little bit. There were a couple moves today. We talked about the Monte Morris, uh, Will Barton deal to Washington for KCP, Contavious Caldwell, Pope, and Ish Smith. Um, I still don't get what Denver's doing there. I I, I know KCP's a good three-point shooter. They are going to get Jamal Murray and uh, Eric Michael Porter Jr. off the injuries next year. They Denver traded the two best players in that trade, got the worst player back in the trade, and got a guy who's really good at the one thing that he does really well. But three and D players are a premium in the NBA. They can be found a lot cheaper than two, one really versatile wing player in Will Barton, and who I think is a really nice ball handler and and player in Monte Morris. I don't think we've seen the best out of Monte Morris yet either. Because he's kind of been behind a lot of the playmakers there. I don't get what Denver's doing. But from the Hornets' perspective, Jalen McDaniel's option was picked up. No-brainer. You know, it's funny. Everybody talks about Cody Martin. I'm, I'm, I'm so afraid of losing Cody Martin. To me, Cody Martins are the the easiest thing to find. Guys who play really, really hard have have developed some skill but are not overly skilled. And are like the eighth or ninth guys on your roster. Cody Martin will probably play another five, six, seven years in the NBA. He'll have a decent career as opposed to what he was coming out. So this is not knocking Cody Martin. The guy who I'm most excited for between the, I think Jalen McDaniels, I don't think we've even seen him scratch the surface of his potential yet. Both in the way he plays, which fits the way the Hornets have at least played. If we believe Steve Clifford wants to play that way. But I think Jalen's ability over time, if he continues to add a little bit more weight at a time without losing athleticism and ability, I think Jalen could be a like I don't I don't know he can be a starter. I don't definitively know he can be a starter. I think Jalen could be a hell of a big wing, hybrid, whatever you want to call him, six man. I, I think Jalen McDaniels, the sky's the limit for that. I can't wait to see what he does. I'm glad they picked up this option. I hope he's here long term. Ironically, outside of the the obvious, the, the Lamellos and the Miles Bridges and the, and the Young Bucks on the roster, he might be the guy that best benefits from the Steve Clifford hire. Okay. By the way, Spence saying Jalen McDaniels is trash. Okay. Tell me, tell me you don't watch the Hornets without telling me you don't watch the Hornets. Uh, so explain your thoughts on there. Because I feel like... You know, offensively, he's going to continue to grow and, and to develop. And, like, yes, a, a Mike D'Antoni would have maybe gotten more out of him. Maybe even Kenny Atkinson, his time with the Warriors. But I think Steve Clifford could make him more of a complete basketball player. A guy that can be very good on both ends of the court. Mm-hmm. And they need that because they don't have a lot of guys that are good on both ends of the court. Well, and the length of the, and athleticism, to me, if you can just continue adding skill to that, I think he showed. There were points this year. And the problem with Jalen is there's at least one play a game when he gets over 15 to 20 minutes where you go, what the hell are you doing? Mm-hmm. Um, which, by the way, is like 
25% of the NBA. Not, And they aren't all 21-year-old kids. But to me, when he started kind of teasing the ability to create shots this year, that was really exciting. You get a kid that is 6'8", 6'9", 6'10", very thin, but incredibly athletic. Some defensive versatility if he adds just a skosh more weight and can create shots offensively. Oh, by the way, plays really well in transition, gets out there, plays hard as well. Like, I think Jalen McDaniels is what people in town, how how people talk about Cody Martin is what I think Jalen McDaniels can actually be. I don't think Cody Martin is one of the six best players on a championship team. He shouldn't be. I think Jalen could be as that super six-man kind of role. Like, yeah. like think Harrison Barnes in, and again, that's gross oversimplification, but think of Harrison Barnes in Golden State. I know Harrison was a top 10 pick, but get that three-point shooting going, a little bit of shot creation, and defensive versatility. I don't know he can be as elite of a defender as Harrison, but man, fifth fifth starter or you know first man off the bench on a good team, because he's still only like 22. I think it's going to be interesting to see how our infatuation or the fan base's infatuation is going to change with a new head coach. Because, like, Cody Martin was a Borrego guy, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like that, and, of course, you got the portion of NC State fans that are Hornet fans. Poor bastards. <laughs> you know? Like, I wonder how much of that's going to change. Because Borrego, he, he could look at a third of that roster and say, I made that guy an, an NBA player. I'm just going to tell you here, if they're having reservations about paying Miles Bridges... Just say goodbye to Cody Martin. And again, this is good. It, like, if Cody goes elsewhere and gets paid, good for him. That's, I really hope for him, for a kid that was the 36th pick in the draft, I really hope for it. But I'm not going to the luxury on Cody Martin. No. Right? And I'm not, if I already have reservations about paying Miles, I'm not adding and tying up a couple extra on one of the deepest teams. And that's how we should think of the Hornets. One of the deepest teams in the NBA. I'm not tying up extra money in Cody Martin. Um, although they did also uh, earlier this week uh, give him a qualifying offer so they can at least match any offer he might get there. We also found out James Booknight has a finger injury. He's going to miss the summer league. I just hate that. I just I think I think they're just young dudes getting in the NBA who just need time on the court. And I think if you're a 19 year old kid coming out of school and you're maybe a little immature. You're not going to understand how much better you can get as a practice in in practice. I think James Booknight just needed to get on the court and play with some dudes, and him missing summer league. He has so much skill. I just I hope he gets an opportunity here. I hope he doesn't. And I he's a much bigger version of Malik, but I hope he doesn't turn into Malik, a kid with ridiculous offensive upside but kind of gets lost in the shuffle. And by the way, who was the head coach when Malik kind of got lost in the shuffle? It was Steve Clifford. Now, Malik was also way undersized. James is a little bit bigger than Malik was. Still a fear that I have. And oh, the other deal that we haven't mentioned, the Knicks traded Nerlens Noel and Alec Burks with two second rounders to Detroit for cap space effectively. And I'm just going to say this. The Knicks are about to pay Terry, uh, Terry Rozier type money to Jalen Brunson, I fundamentally do not get it. I do. I like Jalen is a really nice, useful piece. I don't know. Inevitably, he's a, a starter on a championship team. He is a very good. I kind of call him like a, a glue player. Nice point guard. 
I don't know he's a starting point guard on a championship team in 2022. I don't know he's a I, I don't know he's a starting point guard consistently on a top four seed in the East, making 25 million a year. Luca's going to get a lot of people a lot more money because of how good they look beside him. The thing, because I've come around to this idea of the Knicks paying Brunson, he's what they need. They haven't had a point guard in my entire fandom. I can't wait until a year from now. Jalen Brunson is who Jalen Brunson is. Mm -hmm. Really nice player. And I'm going to text you and see if you still like paying Jalen Brunson $25 million a year. Because the same thing had happened. When when they paid Julius Randle, everyone's like, what the hell are they doing? What the hell are they doing? Took him to the playoffs. Everybody loved Julius Randle. Suddenly, they stopped winning last year. Now everybody hates paying Julius Randle primetime money. <laughs> and oh, by the way, you're going to be paying Jalen Brunson more per year than you're going to be paying uh, Julius Randle. Good luck with that, sir. Uh, so that's the latest from the NBA. When we come back, Aditi Kinkabwala joins us to talk uh, Baker Mayfield's future in Cleveland, the Deshaun Watson hearings, and more on Sports Radio 92.7 FNZ.